0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Pittsburgh steeler fans this is behind the steel curtain editor dave schofield coming at you on a thursday morning it's not any thursday morning it's a game day thursday morning isn't that exciting well honestly anytime the pittsburgh steelers are playing that day it's exciting the fact that that day is where you have to say it's a thursday uh don't like it i don't I don't like it. We're going to talk more about Thursdays and everything in the second half of the show. Um, Just with that in general, as we go to to look at the matchup. But uh, yeah, it's a game day. It's, It's what we have. It's what we are. Things have been a little bit different here at Behind the Steel Curtain this week with the podcasts, even with the stuff on the editorial side. We've had to put a lot of information in a very short amount of time. But you know what? What we're going to hopefully get to do you know, not as much with the podcast because we're still going to bring you the same podcast otherwise afterwards, but maybe we can take a a little bit of a deep breath following Thursday as the Steelers have a little bit of extra time before their next game, but we're not worried about that next game. We're worried about this game coming up now. The way things normally work on Stat Geek, I'll remind you again, I've been saying this a lot, I know, but normally I'll take the first half of the show and I'll talk about last week's performance and the numbers with that, and then we'll look at the numbers going into the coming week. The problem is, this is a short week. We turned the table on last week on Monday, so it seems kind of like Overkill on the day of a game to talk about last week. So I'm not going to break down those numbers specifically from the last game. I know. I hope you're okay with that. I hope you'll live. But I am going to break down some numbers. I'm going to break down some numbers. I'm going to answer a, a question that I had on Twitter. And then I'm going to actually look at some, some, uh, we're going to dive in a little bit. I know some people might not like it. We're going to look at a few PFF rankings, but I'll, I'll give my disclaimer with everything with that when it comes. But first, let's take a look at this question that I got from Twitter. This was from Joe Cirillo, whose Twitter handle is at underscore Joe Cirillo. says, superfan dad. Oh, sorry, S T L R superfan dad. That's me. Uh, it says, hey, Dave, not sure if you're doing a stat geek in this short week or not. I can tell you that right now. Yes, I am. Um, because if I wasn't... You wouldn't be able to hear this response. Never mind. We could go on about that forever. Back to the question. But I'm curious how uh, MT10s, which is Mitchell Trubisky, performance week one and two compare statistically to his time in Chicago. Can he turn this thing around? Hashtag nerds of steel. All right, Joe, I'm going to take this question and kind of look at this as looking at last week's game, but it's it's looking beyond. I'm going to look at both of them. We're going to look at Mitch Trubisky's statistics. Um, through two games, and we're going to compare him to his other years in the league. So, a lot of the things we're going to look at is percentages, ratios, things of that nature. But I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give you some of the numbers as we go. But Mr. Bisky, he played four years in Chicago. He was the second overall pick in 2017. Man, something about that draft and those guys coming to the Steelers is crazy. But you know, because that's when one Trent Jordan Watt was drafted, but that's a whole different story. Twenty seventeen started twelve games, he was four and eight as a starter. Twenty eighteen Pro Bowl year, he was eleven and three as a starter and fourteen starts. In twenty nineteen, fifteen starts, eight and seven. And then twenty twenty, ten appearances, nine starts, six and three. That was there was a benching in there. I, I'm not getting into that at all. Uh he did also play in six games with Buffalo, but did not start any. Um, did not have very many, only eight pass attempts. Um, but we're going to compare some of these numbers from where, from what Mitch Trubisky was with two starts with the Steelers where he's one and one. So right now through, through the first two weeks, Trubisky has attempted 71 passes, 42 completions. That's a 59.2% completion rate. That is just under his rookie year, which was 59.4. That's not what you want to see because he was six six in his in his Pro Bowl season the next year, 63.2 the following year. He was 67% in the year that he was in and out of the starting lineup. So that's something you look at and you're like, yikes. But remember, with those other ones, that's a bigger sample size where you would expect improvement as you went. If Mitch Trubisky's numbers dip from here, I don't want to see Mitch Trubisky anymore. The the numbers, this needs to be the bottom and everything move up from here. So let's move on with some of these. Um, So far, he's got two touchdowns and one interception for the Steelers. You know, that's a two-to-one ratio. Better than his rookie year where he was a one-to-one ratio of of, uh, seven-to-seven. Had a two to one ratio his Pro Bowl year twenty four to twelve had not quite a two to one ratio the next year at seventeen to ten but he also had a two to one ratio in twenty twenty which was sixteen to eight which ironically if you do the math out with 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 this, um, Trubisky would be seventeen and eight and a half if you look at what he would be based on two games if he started seventeen just putting that number out there um, his interception per um percentage is lower than he's had he's always um with with the other ones uh, the, what an inter, inter uh, interception percentage there i'm going to get it what it is is it's the, it's how many mo- it's the percentage of times intercepted when attempting to pass so in other words how many interceptions divided by the number of of passing attempts it's only 1.4 which is his lowest of any year that he's had but i think that's part of the problem is that it's almost almost too cautious. That's a, a knock yab on it. Cause his touchdown percentage, it's at 2.8. That's only better than his rookie year, which was 2.1. He was 5.5 in 2018, 3.3 in 2019, 5.4 in 2020. Those are not, that's more what you want to be. Those are the numbers you're looking at. Let, let's look at, uh, well, what's another one here? How about yards gained per pass attempt? Yards per attempt. He's 5.1. That's the lowest of his career. I mean, he was 5.4 with Buffalo, but he only threw eight passes. Um, So if you really would look at the ones in in Chicago, his worst one was 6.1 in 2019. That's, that's, you know, the, he's a a yard under that, let alone the 7.4 in 2018. So he's not getting the yardage per pass attempt. Uh, you could, you could do adjusted yardage. I'm not going to get into that. I will go ahead and look at his uh, quarterback rating. Okay. This isn't, you know, not QBR. That's the ESPN one. This is quarterback rating. Um, his quarterback rating right now is 76.1. When you look at his years in Chicago. That's worse than any of them. That's even worse than his rookie year, which was 77.5. His best was 95.4 in in 2018 and 93.5 in 2020. So bottom line is, if you want to say how he is compared to Chicago, if there's hope, bottom line is there better be. Because if he's not even performing as well as he was his rookie year in Chicago, then the Steelers should have another rookie play instead. That's just me saying that. So those are the numbers. That's a comparison. Kind of puts you a little bit where we are. Now let's look at some other numbers. I mentioned PFF, and some people don't care for pro football focus grades. There's a lot of times where I don't think they get it right. I think they don't know the coverages. They don't know what players are asked to do. I do think, I've said this in the past, the closer you all are to the ball when it is snapped, the more accurate they are likely to be. Based on their scores, because it's there's there's less guessing as to what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I still don't like things like last year when Dan Moore Jr. had a zero point zero pass blocking score against Miles Garrett where Miles Garrett had. I don't think he had a sack. I think he had one quarterback hit and they want to say, oh, well, we got the ball out so fast. Well, okay. Well, he still did his job. He did what he's supposed to do. But then I think it's ironic because the the offensive line having some decent scores now, people were saying, oh, well, they're only getting good scores because they're throwing the ball so quick. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways and say we're giving them a bad score because if the ball wasn't thrown so quickly, they lost. And say, oh, well, the only reason they won was because the ball was thrown quick." It, it, as you can tell, those two things are polar opposite. You can't, ha- you can't say one and have it be true for the other. It just doesn't work that way. But what I was going to do was I was going to look at some of these team rankings so far with PFF through two weeks because there's one in there that I, I find a little bit interesting. But um, just to, as a reminder, the average score for PFF is a 60.0. I'm not going to tell you all the, the pure scores, but I'm going to tell you where they rank in the NFL. Right now, the Steelers in PFF, their overall PFF ranking has them fourth in the NFL. You heard me, fourth. You're probably saying, how are they fourth? Defense. Defense means a lot. You know, it means just as much as offense. They got some pretty good defensive scores. Uh, The teams that are ahead of them are Philadelphia's first, Buffalo's second, Kansas City's third. Steelers are fourth. The Browns are fifth. I'm just putting that out there. The Steelers are the top-ranked team of any team that is not undefeated. All three teams ahead of them are, two, are 2-0 right now. But if you look at the offensive scores, the Steelers' offensive score isn't as bad as what you would think, but you're probably thinking it should be worse. It's their 14th. They're ranked 14th in their overall score. Now you're like, but their offense isn't scoring point. That's not what it's about. It's about scoring the players and what they're doing. You're going to see why that score isn't lower here in a little bit. When it comes to the Steelers' pass offense, They are ranked, hold on, i got to scroll, 18th. They are ranked 18th in the pass. When it comes to pass blocking, like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah, they're ranked 7th. For people that are throwing the narrative out there that the Steelers' offensive line, blah, 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 you didn't pay attention this past week. My goodness, it wasn't awful week one. I mean, the run blocking was pretty bad week one, but the pass blocking was pretty good. Both got better in week two. Both got better in week two. So people that have the narrative of, oh, well, what do you expect behind this bad offensive line? Wrong. Wrong. That's the highest score on the offense is the pass blocking. Out of anything, it's better than the passing. Anything, the rest of it, you'll see. So – People that keep saying that and keep blaming stuff on the offensive line tells me one of two things. They're either, one, not watching the game at all, or two, they don't know anything about offensive line. Most people don't. A lot of people don't. And they definitely don't want to pay attention to it during a game because it's not exciting. Okay? The offensive line, especially from a pass-blocking perspective, and that has nothing to do with how quickly the ball is being thrown. They look at one-on-one matchups, and if they win or if they lose. Just letting you know. Okay, receiving. Receiving. Where the Steelers rank receiving-wise, 14th in the NFL. A lot of that's brought up a lot by Deontay Johnson. Um, Last week, only two players for the Steelers were above that 60 threshold. Deontay Johnson was in the 80s. Um, He had the second-best score on the offense with the number one actually being for We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, the only other one that was above a 60 was Garner O, and he didn't even pay on that play on any passing plays. They were all run plays. Everyone else receiving-wise, way down. So people that are saying, oh, the, the receivers are doing their job and they're getting wide open. If they were getting wide open, they'd have higher scores. There are plays where they are, but it's not like it's every play. You kind of got to look at it that way, um, and this is from multiple people watching the games multiple times, which is more than I have done. So that's why I I, I don't like I say I don't give all my stock into these scores, but it's not that they're based on nothing. Um, here we go, uh, running Steelers running twenty second. They're 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 ranked twenty second when it comes to run offense. Run blocking, they are ranked. Okay, I got to find them here. Nineteenth. 19th. So as you can see, the reason that the Steelers' offense is ranked higher is because their pass blocking is doing a good job. Think about it. Mitch Trubisky has been sacked four times in two games. We'll talk about that number in the second half. Three of them were on him, and the other one was when Najee Harris couldn't pick up a guy. If you really look at it, I don't know that they credited that one from Najee Harris. They shouldn't have to any offensive lineman. I don't know that any offensive lineman has given up sack. Because Trubisky had, you know, three times he should have thrown the ball away and didn't. You know, one in the first game and two in the last game. So that's what's going on when it comes to the pass blocking. Now let's look at the defense. The defense, they're ranked fourth in the NFL on their PFF score overall, behind Buffalo, San Francisco, and Tampa Bay. Uh, When it comes to run defense, the Steelers are ranked. They're like, oh, this is where it's going to fall down. They are ranked fourth. They're ranked fourth when it comes to tackling. They are their score for how well they tackle. They are ranked fifth when it comes to the pass rush. They are ranked thirteenth. That's right. The low score for the defense is the pass rush. It's really interesting though how they do these scores. Sometimes you got to scratch your head. Alex Highsmith three sacks the first week. The first week of the season, no sacks the second week of the season. Had a higher PFF score in week two. It's what it was. It's crazy. Um, they look at every individual play, not just plays where you show up on the statistic in, 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 you know, in, in in the play sheet, or not play sheet, the the whatever it's called, the 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 stat book. There we go. The the statistical column, whatever. I who knows what that I'm trying to say. Um I'm I am at a loss for words. Let's go to coverage. Coverage, sixth. They're ranked sixth in the NFL. So right now, it's the pass rush that's actually holding the Steelers back. And ironically, seven sacks week one, lower pass rush score than in week two when they got zero sacks. It's just that. So that also brings in a little bit of why you're curious about the scores. If we look at a couple of the individuals, uh, the top individual on the offense, especially when it comes to ranking, Chukzikorafor is ranked the number four tackle in the NFL out of 66. Out of 66 players, he's ranked fourth. In week two alone, he was the second highest ranked offensive lineman. He had a he, he had a great pass block score and or no, a decent pass block score and a great run block score. So um he's got he blows everyone out of the water when it comes to run blocking, with the exception of wide receiver Miles Boykin um, from week one had a really high pass blocking score. But Chooks Akorafor is up there, fourth out of 66. Dan Moore Jr., he's 45th out of 66. But believe it or not, Dan Moore Jr. has a higher pass blocking grade than Akorafor. It's that run blocking g- grade. Um, Chuks has an 85.6, where Dan Moore has a 44.6. Big difference there. Um, When it comes to the guards, they're tied, actually, believe it or not, Dotson and Daniels, at 18th out of 70. I saw some people complaining about James Daniels and how terrible the pickup was, and he's been playing awful. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. He's not. He hasn't given up a pressure yet in the regular season, um, all all of these crazy things. But both of those guys are ranked 18th out of 70. So if you think about it, you would expect, you know, each team has two guards. So you would set, expect there to be sixty-four, but because of you know injuries and other things with the snap numbers, that's why they have seventy right now. But you would want one of them in the top thirty-two to say that you have a, one of your guards is one you know better than you don't want one team that has both of theirs better than yours. But whatever. But the Steelers have both of theirs just out of the top half of that. Um you know, getting up in the 16th. So that's pretty good, pretty uh so far with this offensive line. They're they're not showing that they're the problem. Now, Mason Cole, he's 20th out of 36 centers. Um, but he did better in week two than week one. So that's one thing you want to see is that that score move in the right direction. Uh when it comes to other positions on the offense, the other one who's ranked high is Deontay Johnson. He's eighth out of 107 wide receivers, but that's really it. If you want to know where Mitch Trubisky is, he's 20th out of 34 quarterbacks. Just thought I'd throw that there. The defense, the main one that stands out, making Fitzpatrick. He's first out of seventy-one safeties, and Terrell Edmonds is tenth. Terrell Edmonds had a better score in week two than um, than than Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick had that huge score in week one. You know, defensive player of the week for the AFC. But with Edmonds, what actually dropped him down? He had a pretty bad tackling score in week one. He had they they credited him with three missed tackles. If it wasn't for that, he'd even be. Um, most likely would be even higher than 10th out of 71. So that's good for the Steelers' safeties. Not so good for everyone else. Um, Chris Wormley's 19th um, from defensive interior out of 122, actually ranked higher than Cam Hayward, who's 22nd. Uh, TJ Watt still qualifies right now. He's 14th out of 103 edge rushers. He did not have that great of a score um, in week one. I mean, he had a – it wasn't a bad score, um, but it wasn't like – off the charts good and that's why he's, why he's, he's 14th and, uh, Alex Highsmith at 32nd in case you're wondering. Um, so that's just some of the PFF scores I thought I'd throw out there. I am going to go ahead before we, we do this break and answer one other question. I was challenged with something from Jeff Hartman, uh, that, that, uh, He did his mailbag segment on Let's Ride on Wednesday, and there was a question asked of him. It was kind of a numbers question. I didn't have to do any research for it, and he just sent that to me. And the question was, and I'm so sorry, I was driving. I couldn't write down or remember who it was that asked the question. So I'm just going to answer the question. Sorry, I can't give credit for it. But the question was, why are there 46 players active on game day and not 53? Well, first of all, i got to correct that. The answer is there's 48 active on game day. They changed that a couple of years ago, but eight of them have to be offensive linemen. If you don't, if you want to try to skimp on offensive linemen, you don't get as many players. So you got to have eight to get to 48. So it's 48 out of 53. And bottom line is you're looking at it backwards. You're like, why do you have to have five inactive? Now, here's the reason behind it. It's they want teams to be on an even playing field with the number of available players on game day. Now, they, there's there's nothing you could do about it if your superstar's injured, but they want to, when teams step on the field to start the game that they both have the same number of available healthy players to play in the game. That's to, to keep more of a competitive balance. That's the reasoning. That's why when they added two players that you could have active for game day, they also added the idea of being able to bring up uh, players from the practice squad and then not have to go through waivers and, you know, those elevations, which is nice because if you are dealing with, uh, with more injuries at one position, then you actually have other players that you can use. And those practice squad guys are much more important now that they can be elevated like that. It, it's... It, it adds a whole dimension. You, you really do feel like you have 69 players available to you um, with the 53 and the other 16. But the reason I say you're looking at it backwards is this. If you say, hey, everyone on the roster should be active, great. Cut the rosters to 48. Think about this. Teams were given a bonus years ago to give them more players to have available on – on uh, to prepare for the week in case of injury and everything else. But you're only really going to be allowed to have this many actually eligible to play in the game. So they, they, they expanded the roster but said we're not going to expand how many can play on game day any more than that. And if you think about it, they used to only have 20 or 30-some players available to, to play on game day. So it's really expanded. If you really want every player to be active, they're going to cut how many players you keep on the roster. Because it's kind of like you were given a gift and you asked for a little bit more. And then you you take for granted what you had in the first place. That's what fans that are asking for everyone to be active now, they they don't get what it was before. It's like your 10-year-old, your you give them $10 a week for helping around the house. Well, all of a sudden, they say, oh, can I get $12 a week because of this, that, or the other thing? And you decide you're going to go ahead and give them, give them $12 a week. Then after a while, if they start complaining about the $12 a week, you know what I'm going to do? This is the kind of dad I am. I'm going back to 10. If you're not going to appreciate the extra that you got, then I'm not giving you the extra. If you think that extra is not good enough, then we'll go back to what it was. That's kind of how it is when it comes to the 53-man roster. They allowed teams to expand the number of players that they have signed and eligible, but only so many of them can play on, on game day. That's the philosophy behind it. Hey, we've got a lot to roll into about this matchup. We're a little bit long in the first half, so we're we're gonna have to dive right into it. Stick around, we'll be right back. When Our back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans. It's still Thursday. It's still game day. I'm still Dave Schofield. I'm still the editor behind the Steel Curtain. I, I don't think I got fired over the break. I'll have to check with Jeff just to make sure that uh, I'm still good. Let's dive into stuff. This is game day. Let's let's look at this matchup. As I've said before, I I like to go into rankings of where these teams rank in the NFL. Um, move. On. I did the PFF rankings because th- those are different. Those are scores. To me, when it comes to these pure statistics, you need to have a bigger sample size before you can really say, "Oh, this the the Steelers are are, are the best at number one team at this." Because think about it, they were tied for number one in sacks in week one, then they got zero in week two. One, you got to get to me. You got to get at least the three games going into week four. We'll probably start looking at that before we do that. I've got to talk to you about the treachery that is Thursday night football. Oh. <sighs> I'm as as a fan of someone who wants to get from Monday night to the next Sunday, it's nice halfway through to have another football game to get you there. It really is. But when it's your team, it sucks for them. I mean, my goodness, look at it. They, the Steelers had one practice. They practiced on Tuesday. Tuesday's normally still a day off Monday. They come in for meetings, you know, get treatment Tuesdays, the players, day off a lot of them still come in to do stuff, but there's no organized team things on Tuesday. Wednesday is the first day of practice for the week for teams on a normal week. And and what are the Steelers doing? They're doing a walkthrough because it's the day before a game. I mean, it's just, it's insane what they're supposed to do. When you look back at Ben Roethlisberger, he used to not even practice on Wednesdays. He needed, he was old, needed the extra time to recover. He wasn't even ready to throw a football again until Thursday when they played on Sunday, but on a short week, that's, that's game day. It, it, they're really, if the NFL was really about player safety and keep keeping players from injury and doing what was best for that, then they need to implement my plan of they need another bye week. Every team should get two byes. One of those byes, no matter what, is going to be the week before you play Thursday Night Football. No one has to play a game on four days rest. No one. And when you do that, you get that buy ahead of time, but then you have a game sooner and then you have the, the you still got your mini buy after that. So even if a team plays Thursday night football in week two, guess what? They have a week one buy. You're like, that's crazy. That's fair. That's fair. And just don't do it to the same team over here. So yes, in this case, the Steelers would have had a buy in week two, a buy in week two, and then turn around and had one later in the season. So that to me, that's the answer. But until then, you're going to get this huge disparity in Thursday night football. And unfortunately, that huge disparity, especially in, I'm, and I'm bringing this in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers, has to come to whether or not you're on the road or you're at home. This I went back to the merger when I, and looked at the Steelers record on Thursday night. And I say the merger, but they didn't play a Thursday night game after 1970 um, until 1980. They played some back in the fifties and stuff, but uh, so I'm just going from that 1980 game on. I, this was my, my um, trivia on uh, the Steelers preview on Tuesday night. Yeah. We had to do the preview on Tuesday night. So if you're looking for it tonight, yeah, we already happened two nights ago. Um, But the trivia was 16 games that the Steelers have been on the road on a Thursday. I, I didn't take out week one games. I didn't take out Thanksgiving day games. I didn't take out, When I did with the rest of the NFL, what they do now, where um, a lot of times they'll have, because there's three games on Thanksgiving, they'll take two of those teams that are matched up and they play the Thursday night game the next week. So they have back-to-back Thursday games. So one of them's on short rest. The other one isn't. I didn't pull any of them out. I just kept them all in because it was going to be – it it was too extensive to to determine which one of those um, really mattered. But in the 16 games that the Steelers have gone on the road on a Thursday, they've only won three of them. They've only won three of them. They beat the Colts in 2016. They beat the St. Louis Rams, scored 41 points, beating the St. Louis Rams in 2007. And they won in 1984 against the Jets. Not only that, the Steelers don't score many points. I mean, believe it or not, the uh, last year, the loss to the Vikings, they lost 36 to 28. That 28 points is tied for the second most points they've scored on the road on a Thursday. Normally, they're not scoring points like that. For example, 28, loss, 7, loss, 28, win, 21, loss, 6, loss, 20, Loss, 23, loss, 6, loss, 41, win. I already mentioned that one. 6, loss, 16, loss, 10, loss, 23, win, 3, loss, 10, loss, 0, loss. Look at those point totals. It's just the Steelers have a lot up against them in this game. But if you look at that and you compare it to their home Thursday games, The Steelers, since the merger, now, like I said, there's only been – they didn't even have any home Thursday games until 1995, um, if you're looking at since the merger. But they've had 10 games. They won eight of them. They won eight of them. But here, look at these. And, and, And part of this, you're like, oh, wow, the offense is so different. But it's because the other team having to travel, their defense not being as good. Okay? 2018, 52 win. 2017. 40 win. I was at that game. That was a dilly-dilly game. Okay. 2015, they scored 20 points and lost in overtime. That was the infamous Scobie debacle um, with no Ben Roethlisberger. Um, 14 points, win. 27 points, win. 13 point, win in overtime. 27 point, win. 27 point, win. 28 point, win. 9 point, loss. If you throw out that one from 95 and you only look since, since 2000 or even – my goodness. Even under Mike Tomlin. Let's just go Mike Tomlin. There's six and one at home on Thursdays under Mike Tomlin with the only one being that crazy SCOBY game where they never had any business losing that game. Um, so huge advantage at home on Thursdays. Huge disadvantage. Don't like it. I mean, even the whole NFL, there's a few teams that have a winning record on a Thursday night or Thursday games when they're on the road, but not many Here. I'll, I'll, I'm not even going to tell you the teams. Well, I will tell you one: the, the 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 Colts, they're 11 and three in 14 games, but those go back to 2001, which is mainly the Peyton Manning era. Another team that's pretty good is uh, the Denver Broncos, nine and six. But I think Peyton Manning might have been there for maybe we one or two of them as well. But let's just just listen to some of these records. These are these are road records of games on Thursdays: 10 and 13. 9 and 10, you're going to notice some big numbers at the beginning because I have them ranked by how many games they played. 9 and 10, 4 and 12, 3 and 13, 7 and 8, 9 and 6, 6 and 8, 11 and 3, 3 and 10, 4 and 9, 7 and 6, 4 and 8, 5 and 6, 4 and 7, 6 and 5, 5 and 6, 6 and 5, 7 and 3, 7 and 3, hmm. San Fran and Philly, both not bad there. Um, 4 and 6, 2 and 8, 5 and 4, three of them that are 3 and 5, a 2 and a 6 – or sorry, a 2 and 6, a 3 and 4, a 3 and 3, a 1 and 5, which is the Baltimore Ravens, a 3 and 2, 0 oh and 4, and 1 and 2. Not very many good records. And the NFL sometimes even tries to – they did one whole season a couple of years ago that it seemed like the the road team was favored because they made games a little bit more disparate, you know, like a team that made the playoffs the year before traveling to a team that didn't make the playoffs. You know, they try to do that to spice up a little bit because there's just a huge disadvantage. I just get frustrated with it when it's my team having to go on the road. When they're at home, granted, I don't like having to try to get rid of the tickets because a Thursday night game is tough for me to go to, but man, when they're at home, it's a huge advantage on the road, big disadvantage. Let's look at these numbers of this breakdown. Like I said, I normally will give you the ranks along with these numbers, but this time I'm just giving you the pure numbers because... Where they rank will come into focus. So, you, know, you need at least one more game sample. So here you go. Pittsburgh Steelers, um, completion percentage, 59.2, where the Browns have a 65.6. The Steelers' opponents have a 61.4, where the Browns have a, opponents of a 59.7, which is almost exactly what the Steelers are. If you think about it, there's a slight advantage there for the Browns. But then passing yards, Steelers are at 344, Browns are at 359. Not a big difference. Opponents passing yards, Steelers, 551, Cleveland, 516. Remember, Steelers have also played an extra 10 minutes, had to defend an extra 10 minutes uh, because of an overtime game. Um, That's not that far off. The Steelers have been sacked four times. The Browns have been sacked twice. The Steelers have sacked their opponent seven times, and the Browns have sacked their opponent six. These are all some pretty similar numbers so far. Then you get to rush yards. Steelers. 166 yards through two games. That's 83 yards per game. That's a 3.8 yards per carry. The Browns, 401 yards. 401 yards. In two games, that's 200.5 yards a game, averaging over 200 yards a game. Well, I think they did that last year when the Steelers played them, and uh, they held them under 100. Um, But their yards per carry is at 5.3. Big discrepancy. Their opponents rushing yards. The Steelers have surrendered 257, which is only a four- um, 4.0 yards per carry, which isn't that high, but the Browns, they've only given up 147 rushing yards, which is a 3.8 yards per carry. Um, But you also have to remember the Browns were winning pretty big in both of their games this year. And what's uh, ironically, they ended up being behind in the final stages of both those games, one of which they lost, one of which they won with a really long kick at the end. So their their opponents weren't rushing a ton, but it's a 3.8 yards per carry, which is a Ironically, exactly what the Steelers have on offense. Uh, The Steelers have turned the ball over twice. The Browns only once. The Steelers have forced six turnovers. The Browns have only forced two. The Steelers have scored 37 points and have surrendered 37 points. The Browns have scored 56 points and, and surrendered 55. Whew, that's a big difference in points there. You know, 36 and 37 versus 56 and 55. So you might say, oh, wow, the Browns' offense is really something. But then that means their defense isn't. I'm not exactly sure. But then I said, well, let's look at the opponents. Well, the opponents that the Steelers and Browns have faced, the teams that both of them have defeated are currently 0-2. They lost their other game. The teams that the, that the Steelers and Browns both lost to are both 1-1. and So out of the teams that the, that the Steelers and Browns have each played, the only win either of those teams have had is against them. So that doesn't tell a lot. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll look at last year's record just to see. The Steelers, they were playing two teams that made the playoffs last year, one of which went to the Super Bowl. Like I said before, um, if you would have told me a month ago the Steelers were 1-1 and through two games, and the game they lost, they lost by three points, I would be really happy. Not the way it's played out, though. It's completely different when when you're in it. And the problem is they had opportunities to win both of those games um, and win them more decisively with some good offensive play. So that's a big difference. The combined record of the the teams the Steelers – or the two teams the Steelers have faced this year, their combined records from last year during the regular season is 20 and 14 because both teams were 10 and 7. That's a 58.8 win percentage where – The Browns, the two teams they've played this year, last year had a combined record of 9-25 and uh, because one team won four games, the other one won five games. And their win percentage is 26.4, which is less than half of what the Steelers' opponent was. Now, it's a different year. You can't take too much of that. So I'm saying if the numbers sound bad, remember that. Who they play really matters. That's why I like to get a bigger sample size because then who you play starts to even out a little bit more. Oh, but those are those numbers. Um, Steelers really are up against it this week. They were up against it last year on Thursday. I had called from the very beginning last year that this it was going to be all very difficult for the Steelers to beat the Vikings on the road last year, and they didn't. I think the Steelers are in the same boat this year. Anytime you're on the road on Thursday, it, it's just it's not good. It really isn't good. I wish the NFL would do something about it, but they won't. They're not going to take away Thursday of football. There's too much money to be made. And I, Which is good, but you could still tweak it to still make it better for the players and uh, to me would give you a better product because there have been in the past some pretty cruddy Thursday night games because teams just weren't ready. But uh oh, that's stat geek this week. My goodness, it's not much of a turnaround until still the Steelers play. Depending on when you listen to it, kickoffs could just be moments away. Make sure you're checking out behindthecurtain.com. Lots of lots of stuff in there leading up to this game. There'll be lots of coverage after the game. Check out all the podcasts. If if you've got some time before the game, uh, last night's uh, know your enemy with um, Jeffrey and Shannon, and they had uh, I can't remember the guy's name from Dogs by Nature, uh, which is the espionage site for uh, for the Browns. They had him on last night. Check that out. Um, didn 't think you were going to get a regular what yin's talking about this week, but those guys must not listen to our shows or all week we 've been saying oh there 's not going to be a regular what yin 's talking about because what do you know they did one anyway because they 're also going to be doing filling in for the post game show uh, in what yin 's talking about live there 's a reason for that now I will also have my last minute thoughts coming at you here on Uh, later today, sometime in the afternoon, probably around 2 o'clock Pittsburgh time. That'll come out. Um, It's you to check that out. I'll I'll wait until I get all the information leaned up to the game in order to do that, or I'll wait as long as I can. Um, But the reason that you're not going to hear the normal crew on the post-game show is is this. Jeff Hartman's got to get Let's Ride ready. Brian Anthony Davis has to do the Here We Go, the Steelers show. I'm going to be doing the the post-game press conference recap but you know what? Mine's not going to take as long. I, maybe you'll have a little bit of a guest appearance on with Greg and Kyle uh, later on in the show when it's um, when they're filling the force, they're West coast guys. They can help out with that. It's going to be very, what Ian's talking about and post game show. It's kind of a a mashup of the two. I hope you enjoy it. I know they're really looking forward to it. Um, So make sure you're checking that out. And like I said, you'll have winners and losers from Jeff Hartman on a special Friday. Let's ride just because it's a Thursday game. Make sure you check it out. The podcast will be rolling through with uh, most of our normal content. You know, obviously there won't be a post game show on Sunday, but there might be something else there in its place um but check it out thanks for the support hey if you get a chance leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts check out behind you want to stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers thanks for joining me I'll see you next Thursday and as I always finish it out thanks for geeking out